evening. This is Niles McFlower, and this is Why Life Is. Uh, I thought tonight we'd have an interesting show to deal with the ideas involved in de-evolution and the third part of God's mind. Now, some of you may know what that means, some of you won't. That's okay. <clears throat> That's what I'm here for. I'm here to, to let you know all about it and to try to make it into a an understandable uh series of concepts. So to begin with, let me uh, start with what the heck is de-evolution? I mean, a lot of people say, well, de-evolution is that nutty idea that uh, the people profess who are into faith, etc., to to explain everything. And that's actually not how I'm using the term, but it is uh, nonetheless a much longer much, much longer process than done in a few thousand years. And uh, for some, uh, we'll say, needs on some people's part, they've tried to use this idea of de-evolution to happen (laughs) in a very short order, which would not make much sense. So what is de-evolution? De-evolution is the changes that occur in the we'll call it uh, genetic structure of a life form, so that that life form uh, is no longer in sync with the stressors that the environment around it are creating. And it happens because the environment that all life is in is part of the third part of God's mind. Now, trying to understand that is a big part of tonight's show. And so when we look at how how it works, the fascinating thing about it is that when the process takes place, it is almost always happening in a roundabout way so that it's not obvious to the people or life forms that are involved in it. They don't have a choice to make about its effect on them. They become nothing more than environmental, we'll call it, affects and effects. It changes how they feel, how they respond, and it also changes the amount they can, we'll say, adapt to the world that surrounds them. So it isn't just the world that's changing. It's also the people are not staying up with the necessary, needed evolutionary changes. And because of that, they are de-evolving in a sense, meaning that the their adaptations to the world are no longer adequate for their overall long, long-term development and survival. And this idea... Uh, is supported very, very strongly by known evidence. And I say known evidence, I'm talking about prehistoric, of course. Uh, and so if we go back in time and we, we look at how things, how life has continued to grow, I, there reaches a point where the type of life forms and the focus of the types of energy that they use from the outside world and from in themselves, the energy in themselves produce senses, 
and the outside world produces either advantages or stressors or both to them. Uh, their adaptations to those uh, may uh, not grow fast enough, but at the same time, they may, because the world itself is being deliberately altered, and I'll explain how and why, uh, they, can't, uh, they can't adapt to what's taking place. And the result is they eventually uh, die off, they become extinct. And new life uh, is there to develop. And you can say, well, why, why doesn't God just make everything evolutionary? Why do we have to have this de-evolution business? And the reason for it is there's not enough room. You can't have pre-life forms, pre-prior life forms, that are less advanced, but at the same time maybe ruthless and destructive and very powerful in some circumstances, to uh, be sharing the same environmental everything uh, that uh, new life forms that may be less like what I just described because the new life would always die off long before the old life would and you would have a world that could not evolve. It wouldn't change. Now, that's not in God's plan. Uh, it is in the plan of some beings. We call them evil beings, but that's a different part of the show tonight and we'll, we'll get to that. But So the fascinating part about this is that... Uh, De-evolution is a critical part of God's plan. But how does it work? Well, the answer to that is, in Ageless Wisdom, a very strong concept that explains it fairly well, uh, that a lot of people don't know about, is that the third part of God's mind develops senses in, in life forms. And if, uh, perchance, the senses of a life form are grown, we'll say, more so than other life forms, it has the advantage. And if the senses are not grown in some life forms, they have the disadvantage. And the mechanism God uses is that a thing called energy focusing through a thing called ray development, which really it sounds like something out of Flash Gordon, oh, I got my ray gun, but it isn't anything like that. It's basically the focus of thought coming from a part of God which we call lower beings. It doesn't really matter what you believe about those. But it comes from a part of God. And these beings are focusing their attention along uh, one or more of these specific ray-focused energy-stimulating rays that causes those senses to become enhanced and on the ones they don't focus on at any particular time, then the number that, that become un, those become unenhanced, and they become the ones that cause the evolution. And so it's all it's all a simple process. It isn't something like oh, it's so mystical you could never understand it. Thing. No, actually, it's this has been taught for a long time and explained in various uh, various circles of ageless wisdom, but. The thing, the thing that's most critical here is it's very, very simplistic in its general principles. It doesn't, it doesn't rely on some, you know, super complex astrophysical explanation. 
it's really fairly straightforward. And it's, it works so effectively that what we think of is, well, that's what nature's like, you know. Uh, we think of it as natural. And the word na- natural coming from nature, it, it is a, it's part of the system so well ingrained in it, we don't notice it. Now, you might say, well, that's okay. I don't, want, I don't need to notice that. Yeah, but by not noticing it, you can't participate in it and offset for it and try to deal with the fact that some of your senses may not be as strong as you grow older if there's a change coming, uh, although that's rare. In most people's lives, they never experience one of these changes, but this is these are unusual times, and it's, it's actually happening for a lot of people uh, as we speak. So the interesting thing is that some of us are going to live through this for sure, and that's a unique situation in itself is the speed at which they're making these changes, they being God and those that work with God, um, is, is, uh, is faster than has ever been recorded before. Now, one of the problems when you do this sort of thing, if you're going to start changing the senses development along certain race structure um, and defocus on race that have been in for a long time, for thousands and thousands of years that they've been, then if we don't have that going for us, and instead it's now going to be, well, every 50, 100, 250 years it's going to change, well, that's a really big change. And for some of us, our historical record will not make much sense in the future because we're going to have things take place in our near future that have not happened historically speaking. And I'm talking about even going back before there were people. This is going to be a lot of changes. Now, some of them we may not appreciate because we don't understand them very well. Some of them we may say, well, that's not so bad. But we do have to be concerned that we, humans, are aware of these things so that we can uh, adjust ourselves and the way that we live and our understanding supposedly that are controlling our basic behaviors to be in correct, we'll say, alignment with the plan of God. As long as you live within that plan, you're going to be no problem. But if you try to live against the plan, it may cost you both your life and a lot of suffering can happen and maybe countless other people's suffering and deaths, et cetera, could be imposed by ignorance of this and by uh, maybe even being in some ways uh, opposed to and hostile towards it, which humans can be for sure. You wouldn't see this likely in the animal kingdom because they don't have such a response. But human beings do, and they, they because they have a greater grasp on the world around them, and they're troubled by anything that doesn't uh, doesn't fit what they think is the right thing for what they want. And so they can have a rebellious attitude. They can start fighting among themselves about things, taking it out on each other, actually. Uh, when this is a, a, a worldwide event that's taking place. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the way our world is. Now, uh, why? Why, after 
literally billions of years of using a system that has been fairly consistent in its approach to not change these rays very often at least and to do so in a very measured way. Why would uh, those who have connection, closer connection to God than we are, we do, humans, uh, are, are in favor of a fast, and this is a planetary situation, a fast track for changing some of the rays from where they have been for a considerable length of time and do so within like 50 to 100 year periods, which is like unheard of, and possibly kill off a lot of people, possibly create a lot of strife and difficulties. And why would they do that? And the answer is the dark side. The dark side is uh, unusually uncanny about understanding the sense realm and energy. They're very, very good at it. They're not good at consciousness. They're very bad at consciousness. But they're okay, in general, we'll say, at uh, uh, controlling certain things and about even controlling light to some extent. Light, in part, is consciousness, but it's even more dominated by the purpose and by the first part of God's mind. So, so they have very strong purpose maybe not much in the way of consciousness, and they have extremely powerful. That's their thing. And that's where power comes from, is from this third part of God's mind that I'm talking about tonight. Why does it develop power? Well, it develops power because almost all actions that are taking place uh, come come from and develop power. So it's action that does it. And they definitely know how to take action and when to take action more often than the rest of the world does. And uh, they have grown immensely powerful. Now, you can say, well, then what is God doing? Uh, at least it's, re- it's representative of God, God in, in terms of Earth. What is it doing to try to to make this a uh, a, a place that maybe can win over the terrible amounts of darkness and evil that exists in the world. And that is to change the raid structure at a faster rate so that the people who are not yet evil, not yet evil, are finding themselves to be threatened and even possibly in life-threatening circumstances that may end their lives, but curtail their ability to advance the dark uh, hierarchy, the dark ones, plan on Earth. Now you say, well, I don't know if I believe in evil. Well, if you don't believe in evil, then uh, tonight's show might be a real eye-opener in itself. So stay in there. Stay with me. Uh, Now, I I find this really fascinating, that you got to fight fire with fire. I mean, ultimately... Power becomes a menacing factor, but the most powerful thing there is uh, are these ray issues that can be employed to cause evolution to help some life and de-evolution to hurt others. And so it is an extremely powerful way to go about 
uh, correcting a problem of power. And the dark side is using power more effectively than is the side of light right now, uh, except for this ray change factor, which is like the Trump of the situation. I guess that's a pun. So you, you get into this, it's a trump card because it allows um, the, the side of light to finally do something that is proactive against a stampeding, uh, dark-moving, towards darkness planet, which is Earth at this time. Now, Earth has had a terrible uh, recorded history, what we know of, of our history, with constant evil acts taking place. And, uh, no matter, it seems, how much people want to do the right thing, we end up just killing each other and destroying major parts of Earth. But that's because the dark side has had such a strong hand in recorded history. If you go back before recorded history, it, it, the amount that it could do through strictly powerful methods uh, is diminished as you move backwards in time. But in recorded time history, they've been very, very successful, unfortunately. And this is to stop that literally from destroying the world in the next uh, century or so. So to stop that from happening, this, what I'm suggesting is, is taking place is what's being employed. Now, for people who say, well, I'm, I'm a faith believer and I think the end of the world is coming and you can't stop it anyway. Well, that's one interpretation of the situation and that could actually come true. But it's not necessarily the plan of God. Unfortunately, that's the reaction of some who are faith-based to the plan of evil. They're not evil. The people who are faith-based aren't evil, but they are reacting in that way. Now, some of it's a misinterpretation of elements in the New Testament and some other things, but most, most of it is really just a desire to leave a world of darkness. And one way to leave is to have you know Christ come back and say, okay, I'll all board. We're leaving, and the world will be eventually wiped out in a matter of, you know, a couple seven-year periods or whatever. However it's going to take, we'll, we'll make it work, and then we'll, it'll be a world of heaven everywhere. Well, sounds great. Nice nice story, but uh, it's a little more stressful and difficult than, than what's entailed in everybody just sort of leaving the world to its own destruction for a while and then coming back. Christ. Now, in terms of the process uh, working or not for the present time, uh, this has a this is a unique circumstance to my knowledge, uh, and has not been tried uh, before. At least, not, definitely not on Earth. But I don't know if it having been used elsewhere, because it's a fairly radical uh, uh, step to say, okay. We're just going to start changing these ray focuses so fast that the side of darkness is going to have to have to give up some of their strength in order just to survive. And in the process, we're yeah, some people may actually be hurt by it, dead or alive. But those people, they're not being terribly punished because they're going to come back. I mean, you you don't the idea that you're just dead and you're dead. You're not, that's not true. And when they do come back, they'll come back to a much better world. 
So in a way, their quote-unquote sacrifice for a number of years of their life and the way that they lived will be greatly rewarded by what happens after death and then when they reincarnate again. And they do reincarnate eventually, depending upon a lot of different factors. So when we have a system like this that is keeping a balance, but it also can go quite imbalanced deliberately to confront some very hostile situations, uh, it is an effective tool to be used, really, as it's starting to be used at the time of now. So this is, I think this is intriguing to watch it happen. Now, what about this business? Well, what about all the people who were, you know, suffering and then how come we have climate train change? Is that because of the ray changes? And, and actually, the answer to that is kind of yes. Uh, climate changes are, the whole world, even inanimate things, are affected by race because it's about energy. And the whole world's composed of energy. Now, living things are much more affected by the race because the, the keenest of the most important element of what energy can do is be part of senses and life forms. So when the rays start affecting the senses and life forms, which is what they're supposed to do, then you have a major change in the way that all of the energy on the planet really is being controlled and affected. Humans are more than 50% in control of the world if they choose to at the present time. So if we are... Uh, and that's what climatologists know. They, they believe that, and that's what people who believe that the Earth is in for terrible climate change. There's some truth to it's in for change, but I don't know about the terrible side so much. And so we we look at it from, from the standpoint, okay, this is God's plan to correct the dark side with some cost in in in... in some ways being put upon all people, but everybody shares. All people are responsible for the darkness that's on this planet, even if they obviously didn't, most of them didn't create it directly. They created it in various lifetimes before and in this lifetime, in the present, uh, because they aren't doing enough to stop it. That's, so it becomes incumbent upon the highest level of life, which is, Earth, uh, which is uh, humans that presently live on Earth, uh, to do something about it. Now, yes, there are superhumans who live in other dimensions. That's fine. And eventually humans can become superhuman. And they could be living there in the other dimensions. But what's going on here on, on physical Earth is dramatically important. And if it doesn't succeed, those other dimensional beings are kind of stranded. They, 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 being connected to a planet is a critical element. If you don't have it, then really have to, your soul has to leave and go to some other world because this world's forsaken. It's no longer life uh, supporting. And so there's nothing much more you can do, unfortunately. And to prevent this, hopefully, the changes in these rays, which I was surprised when I recently learned about, uh, are going to have a tremendous impact on all of life. Now, some of this goes to the idea of climate change. I want to talk about that for a few minutes because a lot of people are going to jump into this. And go, oh, I love climate change. Okay, well, the, other, the climate's going to definitely change if you focus 
these rays on Earth because they not only affect the senses and life forms, they affect inanimate energies. They affect everything. So what happens if you change the focus of the rays from, uh, I'll give you some examples that are changing. The third ray has been moving out, moving out for for a long time. It's been moving out, yeah. And it's going to keep moving out until about uh, it's completely off focus, we'll say, by 2025. But it started and started to swing and go past the peak point in 2000, the end of 2012. So we're really uh, moving quicker and quicker. The third ray is moving away. Well, humans, you know, uh, lots of people have a third ray element in their development. Because uh, each person is focused on a certain number of rays at a time within themselves. And generally speaking, there are four out of seven rays that are focused on the planet at any one time. That's because we're in a thing called the fourth round. I'm not going to get into what that means. But it just, it just means that it's a certain period of time. And at this period of time, only four rays out of seven are focused on. The other three are not focused on. But it, because of the altering of what ray is focused on, to different rays at different times. But again, the change usually takes hundreds or thousands of years before seeing a change, and now we're talking about a handful, and there, there's coming changes. So the third ray is going out. That much I've been talking about for a long time, long before it actually started to go on. And then, uh, because it started to go out, give or take, in 2007, so you might want to know about that, too. Uh, and it's been moving more rapidly away from being in since then. Now, when we look at the changes as they're occurring over a significant period of time, it means that the Earth itself, uh, which is a third-rate planet, was... Uh, in focus on the development of Earth itself as a planet while the third ray was in. And the third ray's been in a lot of times since over history. And so, but now it's going out. What does that mean? Well, it has a lot of meaning, <laughs> a real lot of meaning. Uh, the, the planet is not in a favorable uh, position for developing life in general, for supporting life in general, when the focus is outside of its ray domain. The other thing that's happening is the sixth ray is coming back in. Now, it went out in 1875, 1875. And uh, it's, it's coming back in. And what does that mean? Well, that means that people's desire to understand their creator will be intensified. And they'll be better, to, more able to understand shows like this, as an example. It also means that the spiritual hierarchy gains some strength over the dark hierarchy, because the dark hierarchy loves the third ray. They're wed to it. First and third rays are their favorite. They think they're really cool rays. But they'll take any odd ray compared to an even ray. But when you replace the third ray with the sixth ray, which is what's happening, then... The sixth ray is about, one way to look at it, it's about religion, even angel's wisdom, what I'm teaching right now. And 
that's coming in, and the plan is to bring it in in 2050. I only learned about this a very short time ago. Uh, I, I used to teach it ain't coming back for a while. Don't worry about it. There's no sense in talking about it. And all of a sudden, well, they decided. Somebody decided. I don't know exactly who. It was certainly beyond human that uh, they're going to bring this right in. Well, that means that in 2050, we're going to have all of the even rays, two, four, six. Because four is taking place of, of the third ray. But six is coming in to replace the seventh ray. Two, four, and six are going to be focused on Earth, all even rays. What does that do in terms of humans? It benefits women. It gives women more uh, ability to understand God correctly and allows them to uh, be better leaders. Not to say they can't lead today. I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying they'll become better. And uh, it, it's, it, there has ma- there's many advantages, many advantages in that respect. And it also is going to produce uh, more usable water. And you say, well, why? Well, water is, that's that's its favorite ray. <laughs> like, it says, yeah, I like all those even rays, but I really like the sixth ray the best. That's me. You know, it, it responds well to it. So we're going to see more usable water. Well, the only way you get more usable water is to have less of it solidified in some way, which we call ice. And so there's going to be a lot less ice on Earth and a lot more water. Well, what are we going to do with all that water? Because it amounts to several hundred feet of rise in, in oceans. Well, we can't have that. That would be a real problem. I have a solution for it, but that would be a real problem. And so, and a lot of people say, well, that's climate change. That's the reason it's happening. That's climate change. Well, it is true. There is no question the Earth's orbit is moving closer and closer to the sun. It's been doing that since the beginning. Uh, it was about... 14 and a half million miles further from the sun if you go back like a half a billion years ago. So, I mean, we're talking, a, that's a lot. And so it's moving closer and closer to the sun because its, it's orbit decays, as all planets do. And that causes the Earth to become warmer. Okay? But the weird thing about it is there's a controlling agent to help balance this out. That controlling agent is certain compounds that uh, that make up carbon dioxide and uh, methane, and those control how much heat is trapped in our atmosphere. And when you have a lot of heat going into the atmosphere, a lot of those chemicals going into the atmosphere, the planet gets warmer. When they're locked up, how are they locked up? Well, they're locked up in ice and at the bottom of the ocean sometimes. And in other places as well. When they're locked up, the Earth cools down. When they are free of the atmosphere, the Earth warms up. Now, most people that are yelling the Earth is dying because we've got too much methane and CO2 that's a wrong conclusion, but it is a correct statement that there's more of it in the atmosphere will cause more warming. But remember, there's a desire to create more water. The only question is, what do you do with it? 
not the not the and the question the answer is you use technology that uh, has been left to make weapons with to instead improve the world by changing places that need water desperately to thrive and by taking those places and putting in very deep and large, we'll call them lakes, inland lakes, uh, you can store the water that's going to be melting from the ice caps and uh, will allow that use in those areas to improve life for everything. Because some of these places are vast deserts. Australia is a very good example of that. Vast deserts. But and it's a whole continent of vast deserts. You take that continent, and you would have to know how to do this, right? You dig out huge areas, thousands of square miles of it, going down to near bedrock, and you fill that up uh, through having various channels that open up to the sea, to the sea, and you desalinate it as it is brought in. And then you use the desalination materials as resources, not just salt. There's all kinds of metals and other things that are in there. So you actually, it, pay, it virtually pays for itself to do that. And the amount of energy it takes to dig this thing out is made up for by the water rushing back in again. And you're virtually creating a balance in terms of energy used to, to create it. And over time, it actually creates more energy than it, than it uses. It's pretty pretty fascinating. This is an amazing system. And I'm just using Australia as an example. There's a whole bunch of different areas of desert that could use it. The Sierra could use it. There's all kinds of places you could use it. And the process would allow places that are now barren and virtually lifeless, they have some life, but it isn't much, uh, to become great places for people to live, wonderful places for people to live. And now there's no longer population densities that are people are living on top of each other, and they're living in very wonderful places, and there's it's easy to grow things. Things will grow better. The increase, believe it or not, in CO2 improves the food production tremendously, double, triple, maybe more. Uh, and a lot of other things take place that are good things. But it requires human intervention. It requires it. Now, for a lot of people, they're going to be jumping up and down. Wow, we shouldn't be messing with the planet. It's not our thing. No, it's just the opposite. Humans have reached the past the 50% point of their control of this world. It is our responsibility. It is our world. I granted, if you go back a few hundred years ago, that wasn't even true. But we have advanced so far. We're, it's under our control. Now, does that mean that we should do the opposite and try to go backwards in time and let's keep all those ice caps exactly the same, etc.? Yeah, that's a slow death for everybody. Because it doesn't, it doesn't go with the plan. It goes against it. So the people who claim to be the gurus of the climatologists, and they'd say, ah, the Earth is in global warming, we're all going to die. They're the ones that are going to kill us because their plan is to go against God's plan. You can't do that. It'll, it's really destructive and eventually deadly. Now, this is a very different idea 
And how does de-evolution come in on this? Well, uh, some animals are going to be leaving us because their senses cannot evolve fast enough to be able to adjust to the circumstances. However, with the plan of the great gigantic lakes and all that, you can have surrounding areas to put animals that would normally go extinct that will be able to live in that environment easier. And they, uh, if they're protected from poaching and killings and torture and all the other things that humans tend to do to animals, uh, then they could thrive still there. And um, they might, if they're dangerous animals, it might be somewhat fenced off from the rest of the animals and maybe people, of course. But everything can survive there. And it does not harm the world to do what I'm suggesting it does the, what I'm suggesting is the opposite. Now I have suggested this for oh 15, 20 years now as an alternative to what quote unquote the global warming climatologists believe in. But this is a way to work with God and the plan for Earth as best as we understand it, then try to run against it. You run against it, you just use all your resources up, and all you'll have is suffering and disease and the end of life, not just the end of human life, the end of possibly all life on Earth if we keep going down the wrong road the wrong way. Uh, so the challenge here is for the beings that are way beyond human is to nudge us towards finding this plan that I'm suggesting or something similar I'm not saying this is the only plan that needs to be employed. I, I'm suggesting one that may be very effective. And to use these plans, um, both including the one I suggested, there may be a bunch of others, or excluding the one I suggested and finding better ones. But whatever you use, you've got to take into account the idea of de-evolution and that rays are controlling things and if you don't believe that, then you're not going to really move ahead. Now, it's not raised like in Flash Gordon or anything like that. These are coming from thought. Ray, the best way to understand it is by our standards. A ray is just a thought of a being that's strong enough to, through its thought and its will, uh, to change the way energy is expressing itself in dimensions where it doesn't even exist. I mean, we are living here. And it's here, these things are here to help life to grow and not to become overly dominant over everything else and destructive, which humans could very well do. Uh, or if you go back to earlier animals like the dinosaurs, why were the dinosaurs killed off? Well, they were killed off because of changes in the rays. Yes, there was a big asteroid to hit the, hit the planet. But if the rays hadn't changed at the same time, dinosaurs could have come back. Uh, but once the rays changed, uh, and the third ray wasn't so dominant anymore, which is what they loved, uh, then things went in a totally different direction, and you really had mammals becoming the dominant life form over time. The reason, for 200 million years, mammals could not compete against dinosaurs. They really just couldn't. It was not possible for them to be able to. They had to stay on the edges of life and hide most of the time. And they were just food, basically. 
So they couldn't grow, they couldn't become dominant themselves because the reptilian life of dinosaurs and associated, and before that, you know, the, the larger amphibians, the, that life form was so powerful that, that uh, warm-blooded, we'll call it fully warm-blooded, because dinosaurs were actually not cold-blooded, but they were somewhere in between. Uh, they they were faster, that means, in movement than what we originally thought. But they still weren't as fast as, as uh, completely warm-blooded animals are today, which have temperatures usually exceeding that of a human being. And so they can, for brief periods, run and move very quickly. But the most critical element here is that the dinosaur could not adapt. It had no ability to change from being a very hostile third-ray creature. <laughs> Some of them weren't that hostile, but they were still pretty thorny and pretty tough. And they, they, they just could not adapt to the changes, which was part of the plan. So they died off very quickly. And then, of course, when mammals came in, they started off as relatively small creatures, but very quickly took over the whole world and became the dominant life because they were more thinking in their aspirations. Their group souls were much more developed. And that just means that they involved more intelligence in their development of life and they had much better senses because they were the senses were not developed in one direction only. They had multi sense that was much more adaptable than any of the reptilian senses of the dinosaurs or their predecessors. So it's an interesting component how it all came together. And all of that is because the ray changes were designed in a plan that goes way, way back in time. Now, Earth is a kind of unique testing place for uh, to develop human life faster than most other planets develop it on. Uh, and to see if that development of quick human life is going to be able to push back evil because it's known, it was known that evil was on its way to this world or some world like it. And when it... Uh, arrive, so to speak, it would affect humans mostly. And so humanity had to be well developed so that the spiritual part of God could get, impress itself onto humans and the ray changes would make some sense to them so that they would choose the right directions. But this required a speed of about twice as fast in human development as other planets usually do it. They, they develop human beings. They just don't do it in the time period. Humans have been around for about 16 million years, give or take. Give, maybe a little bit more than that. But they've been around for that long. And there were many early mistakes in them, so their development didn't really gel to almost half of that. And so when we talk about finding humans that are older than three or four million years, they are already there. We just don't understand them. We'll say, well, that's some kind of ape species, right? It has to be because it's eight million years old. It looks awful lot like a human being. It looks like they were living together as a group. It looks like they took care of their young. It looks like they did all these things. Wait a second. How could that be an animal? 
because the things that they did weren't animal-like. It didn't make any sense, right? Uh, what, well, how do we know the difference between an animal and a human? Well, animals tend to work on a thing called instinct. They tend to all respond, as far as action is concerned, pretty close to the same way. They share their responses because they have uh, very little ability to control their responses by thought because their thoughts aren't strong enough. Their consciousness isn't developed enough. Humans suggest exactly the opposite. Their thought overwhelms their ability to sense, and so they can make choices that go against the uh, a group of them, and you have individual humans being individuals rather than most of humans being controlled by common, we'll call it, common uh, instincts. Humans really don't have instincts. They have drives. The instinct part is a complex pattern of behavior that is controlled by a group soul. We don't have a group soul. We have an individual soul. And we don't share our behaviors with each other. We learn them. We don't share them. We don't have them in, in, bred into us. So that's the big difference. And when that took place, when that took place, the amazing thing about this is that the process as I'm describing it makes much more sense. The de-evolution would be a normal, expected event if you understand everything I've described so far in the show. In other words, it isn't by accident. It isn't by... It isn't by some other means that I'm mistakenly attributing it. There's only really one explanation that will fit in all the parts of everything I've told you so far, and that is there is de-evolution. Now, it's not that de-evolution takes place in a matter of a thousand years. It's much, much longer than that. Uh, and again, the faith-based people might take offense at that because they wanted to go faster for their own we'll say, structural values in terms of how they think the God is based upon certain passages of, of the Bible. But the interesting thing from the Bible doesn't necessarily support that position. At any rate, I say the Bible, I'm talking about the Christian Bible. But the, the Muslim Bible is somewhat based on the Christian Bible, so you've got a lot going on in terms of that kind of factor. And the Hebrew Bible... Uh, the most accurate thing in the Hebrew Bible is the very beginning. Genesis is very, very poignant. I mean, and very, very true. Uh, a lot older than what present people believe. It goes back, instead of to two or 3,000 B.C., as the people want to believe, it actually goes back to at least 7,500 B.C. So that gives you an idea. And why do things keep going backwards like that? because we misunderstand the ray development, the changes, and everything else. And we, everything we have is based upon what we think is recorded history, and most of history was destroyed. <laughs> and so you don't have it. And every time there's a calamity, we start over, or have done many times since uh, about 8,000 B.C. So it's like a constant thing. You build up a civilization, and it's wiped out, and nobody knows what happened, and you start over again. And so our history is very spotty. We don't have a good good understanding of that. Well, hopefully, you know, we're going about we're going to break in a, in a minute or two here. The, the critical element here for tonight's show is to realize that 
the changes that are coming are not bad. If you're a climatologist and you believe in uh, global warming that's going to be destructive to all, you're on the wrong page. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. But if we react badly to it and take all of our resources to keep things the way they were against everything else changing, it could end this world. So the danger is we use our resources up trying to go against God, and that is not a good bet. I'll bet on God all the time. So you got to find God and understand how to work with that rather than to try to come up with these political maneuvers to try to bring socialism in or some other kind of goofy thing to make the world do what you want it to do rather than what it's going to be doing no matter what. And I hope that's something to think about. At any rate, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, uh, I will go much deeper into some elements of what I've just talked about, and hopefully uh, we'll get to, a, I think, a solution to most of what needs to be done. And we'll be back in two and a half minutes, give or take, from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the whys, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's hidden meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart.
we're back. This is why life is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, hey, we're dealing with an interesting subject, and it deals with de-evolution, and it also has to deal with how the third part of God's mind is in control of this factor. So let's talk about that. The third part of God's mind is the part that affects energy. And what does it do? It tries to get activities to become more intelligent. That's its process. Now, you can say, well, from what you said in the first part of the show, obviously humans aren't always working within that parameter because they aren't doing things that are very intelligent. Well, that's true. But that's just something humans do. It is on Earth, anyway. And God isn't trying to make humans be uh, punished by doing something that they might not want to do or might do poorly or whatever the situation is. Uh, Rather, God is trying through, again, these are beings that represent God in some capacity, is attempting to focus on attempting. Now, this is only from a, we'll say, a conceptual viewpoint to get activities to become more and more intelligent. Now, what does the word intelligence mean about activities? When an activity is intelligent, it supports the intelligence in other activities that aren't even part of the place where it exists from. In other words, it's trying to grow more activity that has within it the ability to communicate widely, the ability to uh, develop life, as we call life, and to find its way closer and closer to its own creator and to integrate consciousness with will so that the three parts of God's mind can move together as one fluid and completely supportive way of producing life. Now, for a lot of people, this may sound very esoteric, but in reality, it's a very practical uh, methodology. And if you were a pure scientist, and I renamed some of the things I'm talking about, it make a lot of sense to you. The, the, the problem is for most people, they're not scientists, and most people are not necessarily Uh, savvy about ageless wisdom or we'll just call it the general ways that some some of the more uh, third-ray type interactive religions uh, describe what I just said. In their situations, it's more obvious that intelligent activity is a critical factor in development, particularly like humans are physically alive. That's a very big factor. But to most people, they don't get that because their particular religion doesn't necessarily uh, represent that. And for people who aren't religious, they they think that it's all a thing-related situation. So instead of it being activity, they say it's about this energy or that thing or that that uh, uh, mass or that uh, 
uh, we'll call electromagnetic energy level. So their explanations would be too narrow to incorporate the bigger picture of intelligent activities. Now, how come God didn't make everything intelligent in the first place? Well, that would be civil. Let's just make everything, you know, if you're God, why not do it? Well, then life would not be independent of God. As a matter of fact, nothing would be independent of God. And God's thought would be just a puppet show of making things that it thought of and carrying out the puppet show. There's no sense in doing that if you're a God, because what, what, where is the joy? Where is the creative element? You're not really creating something that has its own life. You're just making a show for yourself, maybe, which would be rather boring. And it would have no meaning. What we call meaning has to do with this intelligent activity part. It's that our senses allow us to interact together in ways which are new, even new to God in some way, and new to everything that is taking place around us, so that we are as much a creator of our lives as God is of the universe actually more so of our own lives. And God wants that because God wants us to be free so that, first of all, it's not a puppet show for it, but more importantly, it believes it wants to share the ability to be free, to create, to become something yourself, to life. Now, granted, humans are the first part of life that can fully use what I just explained and discover God for themselves. Other life is too limited in its activities to share it among individual members very well. And so it's controlled by group processes that are more generalized and less specific. And so to them, they can't really see or experience God. And that's why animals aren't God-related very much. I mean, they... You don't see them marching off to church or doing anything related to specific God activities because they have no uh, no awareness of it. Their senses are limited by their in, by their lack of individuality. They have a little bit of it, particularly if they have contact with human beings. They do, but not enough. It's not over the fifty percent point, which is required to start becoming human-like. Matter of fact, most of them aren't even near the 50% point. Some of the pets of humans do reach that point, but not much more. Humans, by definition, have to be more than 50%, and many people would claim, with in certain experiments, 60% uh, conscious beings. And that's a real tough uh, place to get to. Now, does that mean that their consciousness exists in all its aspects, 60% of the time? No. <laughs> it means that they're lucky if they get to 6%. But it means that they could, if they developed themselves more and got closer to all the things that I talk about um, of improvement, they could get to 60%. When you reach the 60% level, you have what is known as uh, godlike memory. Now, 
that's used in some religions, I understand that. But what I'm referring to here is that you can remember from one lifetime to the next the things that you created that were while you were employing 60% of intelligent activity in the activities, those things then remain. Not the things that you did that were less than that, and some of them might be virtually zero because maybe you did some really bad things in certain parts of your life. Those things disappear. You don't have memory, but they become your karma. What does that mean? It means there's energy standing in the way of you developing more of your consciousness in your next life until you deal with these issues and correct them because you're responsible for some element of destruction that has been levied against all life. And now you're going to try to solve some of that in each lifetime moving ahead. A lot of people don't like that and will disagree with the concepts in reincarnation. And some of them I disagree with because religions that employ reincarnation have done so on a very personal level that doesn't usually work with the race. It doesn't have much to do with them. And it oftentimes is contrary to the truth about them. And so that creates hardship for the people practicing those religions because their belief structure is against God in some ways. They don't understand God, basically. It causes them to get confused, maybe even to leave their religion because God is not what they religion, their particular religion, is trying to tell them God is. And they innately feel that. They innately know it in some ways. It doesn't work. And you get these people sometimes being disgruntled and maybe not adhering to the religion that they were within because they reject it. But that's because religions in general have not been very well-suited to explaining the things that I'm going over in tonight's show. Okay, so the fascinating part about how this whole thing works is that if we, if we you know, look at the entire spectrum of uh, how the third part of God's mind is really there as our, as our saving aspect, it saves us not by interaction. It saves us by protection from an overbearing, overbearing level of higher level thought that we cannot uh, counter and can't deal with. So what God doesn't do is what many religions do do. God doesn't say, it's my way or the highway. You don't like it, you're going to burn in hell. And there's no way out for those that are not part of what I say religion and God is. And that'll screw you. That's not God. That's a bunch of priests and people in various religions who who have adopted such thought processes. It's against God. God wants people to be free to find God. Freedom means that the right to choose is not interfered with by doctrines that say this or, or hell. That doesn't work too good. And people reject those things. And I, I, I do too, by the way. They, and I'm not, I'm not condemning all religions. 
I'm just condemning those parts of any religion that do things like that. And lots of religions do that. And I, I, I can't defend them. I would never even consider defending them for, for that because it's wrong. That's why you don't hear me saying, well, I accept any specific religion as always being right because I don't, I don't believe that. I don't find it to be true for me. All right. So, how do you, let's say you want to understand what is this third part of God better. How do I understand what God is in terms of intelligent activity since God's not going to knock on my door and say, hi, I'm God. Uh, by the way, these are the things I want you to do. There's, there's 172 items here and you've got to follow each one and if you do this, then you'll be in my good graces and everybody will be happy. And it's a, No, that's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, that's the antithesis against the thesis of God. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with humans' need to control other people. That's it. All right. And for our need, backing that up, for our need to want to be and share together um, and, and believe that we're part of something because it's very lonely otherwise. So how do you get around that? How, how do you not have to... How do you have a religion that doesn't have that in it? And the answer is ageless wisdom. Yeah. It's not a religion. Ageless wisdom is definitely not a religion. But from ageless wisdom, you can develop various religious viewpoints that do not incorporate being told how and what to do in every circumstance. I worked for somebody at one time. That's all that person did. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I said, no, this is wrong. This is against what you're... And that person was teaching ageless wisdom, supposedly. I said, this is not right. You're not doing the right thing. But anyway, back to my story, what I'm talking about here. Uh, so God says, you got to find it out for yourself, because if I force it on anybody, it's against God. It's against me. So I, I can't do that. And how does ageless wisdom represent that clearly well, depending upon how you interpret some elements of ageless wisdom, the way that I teach it anyway, is that the process comes from being concerned about the outcome for others and trying to help others gain more than trying to get something yourself. Now, you might say, well, everybody does that their charity work, and, you know, and they, and if you do join a church or whatever, they all seem to want to pretend like they're doing that. Or now, this is different, though, because you aren't trying to give people things. You aren't saying, well, here's your food for the week, you know, because we're really good people and I want you to eat this week. You know, this, this is what you need. Well, people always say that's a good thing, but that isn't what, in many cases, what's in the precursors to their religion, such as many people who are Christian, what did Christ say? He said, don't give people a bunch of fish, teach them how to fish, where and when, and then you've done something helpful. I like that teaching. And you can help people much more by being an example, and then within that example, helping them to understand it so that they can exercise it in their own terms, in their own ways, when it's appropriate for them and when they choose. 
And he said, you don't go calling him every day. Did you do this today? Or write me a, write me a whole list of things you did do today, and I'll let you know if they're any good or not. Now, absolutely don't do that sort of stuff. And for most people, it's a matter of real love. Real love is giving people the ability for them to give more themselves, not giving the people what they want, what you feel like giving them, or what looks good to other people, or what looks good to yourself. Those are the misnomers. That's what you don't want to really do. And trying to deal with this third part of God's mind is very elusive. A lot of people have trouble with it. It is not the simplest thing to do. It is so hard because almost all of faith-based religions have contrary notions. Not 100% contrary, but they have them nonetheless. And this creates all kinds of havoc. People go running away from that stuff because they say, I can't stand it. They just want to control everything in my life. And it's anti-God. It just goes against God. All right, so the protection, again, is that God's not going to come in and say, do this, do that. And the solace of many is that God's not going to do that for you. So you've got to you got to stop stewing in your own grief and worries. And you need to look for people who will assist you and help you and others who will participate with you in what I call spiritual service. Now, what is that word? What does that mean, spiritual serving? It's like, it's like you serve, serve somebody dinner? Or what do you serve it? How do you service? The service is God's service. God's service isn't about giving people things. And it isn't about taking pe- things from people. And it's not about charity. Because charity means I will give you that which you need or want in some circumstances. And neither may be true to do. Now, the, the, the want is obvious. For most people, they can understand that part of it. So, yeah, you can't people what they want because everyone wants everything. So, Unless you're a socialist, socialists say, yeah, give people what they want. That's how you hook them. That's how you control Because they want to control. People that want to control you and they say, I'll give you something for that, don't do it because you're selling your soul. That's what you're selling. Uh, so what is it then? What, what, what is this? What is this service business? If it's not that, and you know, you don't want. To, well, it's helping people to become better givers themselves, so that they love, which is giving us, which grows their consciousness in the same similar directions that God does. And what I'm suggesting that direction is is giving people freedom, helping people to better think but not thinking for them and giving people information that may be required for them to, to make a good decision but not forcing them to use it. So in other words, here's the information. If you don't want to use it, I'm still your friend. And if you choose to use it, pick what you think is going to work and do the best you can with it. If you're having a particular problem, I'll work with you on it, but you still got to be the active participant. And then relate it to God. That's the first part. Then you have to relate it to God. How do you relate it to God? You can't go in and say, well, I'm really representing God's ideas, so don't worry about it. No. 
you relate it to God by acting as God is, not as you're told or as you choose to teach it to others. Acting as God is is the example of God itself. And if you do that, well, a lot of people may get angry at you and be confused by it. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to kid you about this. This, unfortunately, is the truth in today's world. You'll be called everything under the sun for doing it, but it will not be nice. People are going to act offended and even hostile because they will not understand it if they're very selfish themselves, and they'll find you to be threatening rather than helpful. That's part of the problem. I can't solve that for every person. Each person has to find their own way through on this. But the most critical element is that you give givings. You're giving consciousness. You're giving people the ability to be better givers. And you do so by action because it's all about action. I know that a lot of people in certain religious viewpoints and in some other philosophies believe that it's about learning, and it's about studying, and it's about uh, reading this or that, and it's about able to repeat this or that. And all those things are the traps that are wrong with various religions and various philosophies because they are back stuck into do as I say. Not as I necessarily do, but do as I say. And follow what I say, and that will that'll fix everything, and you'll just be fine. And that's not what you're trying to give them. What you're trying to give them is the ability for them to think for themselves, for them to find God themselves, and to assist them in that journey, but not to enforce any of what you think are preconceived notions of what God is. You can be those notions as an example. And you can help others that are doing the same thing and work together to do this, an example. But you can't force that on anybody. And for those that reject you and those that are hostile towards you, they'll discover that their hostility comes back on themselves and that it isn't a way of getting anything. It's a way of losing it. But these are things they have to find out for themselves. You can't go in and say, well, I'm going to teach you about this and you'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. Since you're helping them to become better givers, they have to do the giving. They have to do the loving. When I say giving, I'm talking about wise giving. I'm not talking about giving things and stuff. I'm talking about giving people the ability to give themselves. So it just keeps growing on and on and on. It's a pay-it-forward plan in love. And it's very effective when used correctly. It's very dangerous when used incorrectly. Because it could be quite harmful. But incorrectness is the name of the game when you're talking about the dark side of things. And we have that going on continually in this world. Earth is one of the darkest planets that still exists. as a planet with life, human life on it. And so... We're really, unfortunately, in an experimental, <laughs> hostile place. Now, why do we want to be here? Why do? Why did our souls come here and stick around? They're still here right now. You wouldn't be listening to me talk. Um, why? Why are we here? Because we chose to. 
we chose to come to the most difficult world, this side of whatever galaxy we're in, uh, you know, the Milky Way, but certainly, but where all the group of galaxies are in, and all the other galaxies, billions of galaxies in the universe, we are incredibly, incredibly dark in comparison to the majority of places. But the darkness is here for a reason. It was designed into the plan. I see if we could overcome it through some more unique ways of development that is what I'm talking about tonight. And so that's, this is a choice. We chose to be here. Remember, the here is just the bottom, we're in the basement right now. There are many other dimensions, six other major ones. And in those worlds, those dimensions, after our physical death from here, we go at least into the middle, or the, the third one from where we are. And that uh, third counting us, so where we are, astral and the middle. The middle is divided into higher and lower, but it's still another whole dimension. And we exist in those dimensions through our consciousness, even as I speak. But we actually have full sense. Most people have full senses only in this one. That causes us, those senses causes us to dominate and stay in this dimension. After we die, that doesn't happen because we don't have these senses anymore and we're freed from this dimension because the senses are gone. They, they very quickly diminish after physical death and even more quickly destroy themselves in the, electric, in the electromagnetic part of the of this dimension that we're in. And once that takes place, there's no, no more sense. We don't have any more sense that we can use here. And if you don't have sense, you can't be someplace. Because that's the third part of God's mind. you got to have all three parts to be somewhere. So you can't be here. Once you lose that part, gone. No more. Oh, you could try to entrap and use other people's senses if you're some kind of evil dude or something from the next sphere. But for all practical purposes, you're gone. Okay, so once we recognize that this is a great opportunity to be able to serve here and to serve on a very dark world as an experiment to see if under the worst of circumstances, light can be brought in in the worst of places, which is the physical earth. So that's what we're participating in by choice. We came here by choice. We stay here by choice. We leave if we don't stay here by choice. It's pretty much an amazing situation. So none of it has to do with God telling you what to do. You can see that. We're here by our own choice. We can leave by our own choice. Own means I'm incorporating all parts of the human being, which includes the soul part. That soul part continues on after each individual lifetime. And because of that, because of that factor, the results are that we have real freedom. Real freedom. God's not telling us what to do. Nobody is. No, and we're virtually uncontrolled by anything. 
Now, most people don't like that. And some people want to control us because they think they know better. Usually they're socialists or communists, pretty much the same thing. Um, and their, their belief is that through their particular system, which is extremely dark and evil, uh, they can bring humanity up to the level that they think they should be at in terms of their activities. So they are acting against God because God says, I will not control the activities of the life that I create. I won't control it. I'm going to give life to whatever level it can control over itself. The can is a very big part. Because if it can't, something else will control it. But that's, that's a different issue. I'm not controlling it. Something else might, but I'm not controlling it. And so that's the survival of the fittest principles. That's a huge amount of it goes into genetics and what we're talking about that. But it also means that God is a being, the greatest of beings, who chooses to have life that is free to be itself. Earth is the example of that contest. The beings that came to Earth as souls are incarnating and trying to create more light in the world. But some of them are astray, and some of them have become objectively evil. And the evil ones want to control everyone else, and that includes socialists and communists and all the like. But it also means that, and I'm not saying all socialists and communists are evil, but they're, they're, they're playing in a ballpark that, that is certainly the evil ballpark. And so you've got this thing going on, and you have within it uh, an amazing factor that the creator, through the third part of its own mind, is giving us the most important gift possible. And that's freedom, and freedom to think, freedom to act, freedom to interact in either intelligent or non-intelligent ways. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. And because of the ray changes that are taking place, this is going to be accentuated to its maximum level. And you can say, well, things are already bad. Why do we want to go to the max? Because we're losing. The sign of light is losing here on Earth. Uh, this plan has always been tenuous. It's, we doubled the speed of the development of life, of human life particularly. And the result has been disaster upon disaster. A lot of mistakes made, unfortunately. And the process has been corrupted by beings even from other worlds. They maybe had had good intentions, but their intentions were poorly executed in ways that dealt with egotism and other factors on their part. And that really screwed up Earth. So we've been the victim, unfortunately. And to preserve Earth, to try to keep life alive and particularly human life, this desperation element of changing the rays so fast is taking place. 
Now, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to probably sound disturbing. I, I, I have to reveal what I think. I hope that I'm not right. But I think that the outcome, in a successful way, will cost somewhere between 25 and 30% of the human population on Earth at the present time. Now, why is that? Because the competing element of darkness, which includes some of the socialistic and communistic elements in the, in the political arenas, etc., but it's really about darkness in general. Because of that, it's so pervasive and there's so much of it. I don't think we can maintain the numbers of life forms, especially human, that we presently have uh, and work our way out of the terribleness of the situation. So to say that I am, I'm not, I am, I am working with others to try to prevent this. But I'm not sure that we will be successful to the level that I'm talking about, which would be to save everybody. Uh, that I would like to have happen. But I think that there could be as much as 30% of the people uh, in short time, before the end of the century, who may not be reincarnated very soon. That would result in a decline in population from what might be about 8 or 9 billion people down to like under 6, maybe even under 5. Because it depends on how how fast it slows down. And I know there's places in some parts of the world that usually are very poor countries where there's large amounts of births. I'm not talking about that. Because a lot of those people don't make it out of childhood. you got to realize the childhood fatality rate is dozens of times higher in some cases than here. Tremendously bad numbers. People can have ten children and only two or three might survive to adulthood. And then their adult life might one or two of them might die, so you're falling behind, you know. Uh, so that's part of the equation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be unfortunate, and I, I hope I'm wrong about this. I really don't want to be right. And I just have a good, good, they're not going to die because of climate change. They're going to die because of human control and the need to force people be under the control of us, and I don't care if you want to call it governments. I don't. It doesn't matter. It could be a band of criminals. But it, to me, it makes no difference. If you're controlling other humans, you're you're bad, and it leads to this terrible destruction that I'm talking about. Now, if we only lose 30 percent, I think that's a huge number of people. Though, still a very bad thing. If we only lose that much. You know, like let's say we lose three billion people uh, by the turn of the century. Uh, the remaining people will more, more, more likely be those that practice the greatest levels of intelligent activity and were using their senses to the highest level, enlightenment wise, and they will survive. There's some natural selection going on there, obviously, but. There is not no attempt on God's part to make it that way. It's really about what we do to ourselves and how we treat the environment that we're in, and all that's coming culminating towards this unfortunate 
outcome that I see. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm settling on that. I say, well, I said it, therefore it has to be. No, I said it, and let's work against what I said. Let's do everything possible to change that outcome. Uh, Part of it might be that people don't have as many children in some places, but those people that they do have, those children they have, they grow up to be adults, actually make it that long, and they live a much more free and open life that is closer to their creator, to God. And that could be a huge improvement in the world, a very big, big change. Yes, there does need to be some technological changes. I would start now trying to build some of these super lakes and desalinate the water that goes in them and use the minerals from that for other things and feed a starving world and at the same time increase the standard living of people by capitalism, by free economy so that they can create on their own. As I mean, I believe that you know, in the old-style capitalist who says, there's no such thing as monopolies, we can do anything we want, anybody can do anything they want to do. No, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's a good thing. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm saying capitalism based upon a democratic system that allows people who are just starting out some ability to create their own life. So obviously you got you can't have runaway uh, monopolies where people are controlling other people that way. Any type of controlling other people is evil. I don't care if you call it monopolies. I don't care if you call it uh, socialism. They're all trying to do the same thing. They just have different names and little ways of, of defining everything so that they can slip it past you. You don't realize what's going on. And too many people are trying to get something for nothing. And the reason that they are is because they believe they're entitled to it because their lives are miserable. They don't understand how they can make them better. And so they they want something for nothing, some compensatory elements, as they think they are trapped. They're not, but they think that. And sometimes societies and governments even produce that effect. Socialists certainly do. And the purpose of it is to create fear in others and independence. And once you do that, you got them hooked. All right, well, you want your free food, you got to give us this or that, you got to give up this or that. The most important thing is you can't have God. All religion has to be going run away, and then we will take care of you. So you see how evil that is. Unfortunate, but that's that's what they do. All right, so we have we have some chances in this world. If there may be in the not too distant future some serious costs. And we'll see how that works out. Does it have to go to the bad side of things where I just go, no, but we better do something to try to change it right now because what we do now is going to be our future. It's, it takes one to two generations before you see it. That's 20 years each. So it's 20 to 40 years before we're going to really see the outcomes of what we're doing today. But certainly there there are opportunities here to be able to make it so that we can live in a world that's more positive than this one is at the present time. Now, Angel's Wisdom makes certain predictions in terms of long-term history of planets, etc. 
And because Earth is the dominant physical planet, the outcome of our solar system, unfortunately at this point, may be dependent to a larger over-stressing effect of Earth itself. So although someday we will rebuild Mars to, its, to the science of what it was, which is about the same size as Earth, and we'll correct the imbalances in the physical part of Venus, th- those things will come together, and there'll be three planets if we're still around to do this. And those three planets will become a, a enlightened worlds over time. They may also not be in the same position in relationship to the sun that they are today. We will be able to move planets to locations that are more habitable for for life in general. And so we will we'll, we'll take charge of that sort of stuff if we still exist. That's assuming we don't destroy the world entirely. Now, humans, just by their interactions together can create so much negativity that they can invite a natural disaster, as we call it, from outer space that will destroy us. One big asteroid at 50,000 miles an hour, and it's no more Earth, as we know. And a little bit more than that, and the Earth itself will just shatter into a bunch of pieces. So, in reality, we can't uh, just sit on our walls because the eventual destruction of Earth is inevitable if we remain indefinitely dark. The dark side really doesn't want that, by the way. They want to control Earth. They want it to turn into an evil haven, but they don't want to destroy it. They don't want to have it blown into pieces. What good is that for them? It's no good. They need to enslave others because they live off the power from other people. If they can't enslave others, they can't maintain their existence, which is... By their standards, immortal, but they're not immortal, but they live for very, very long periods of time. And within that time period, they are immensely powerful. And the length of time that they live does not detract from their power, it usually adds to their power, which is the opposite of the way many humans experience life for themselves. So for people whose greatest concern is they want to stay alive in their present consciousness and not change and want to live forever, well, that's evil. So they're strongly attracted to that. And that's what the confrontation is going to be about in the not-too-distant future here on Earth. Most of the time when Earth has been destroyed or other planets have been destroyed, it's through natural, what we call natural disasters. There's also the the possibility of destruction from humans themselves. We have atomic weapons, obviously. We have other kinds of weapons. We keep making more of them, whatever. And our ability to destroy each other is going up exponentially. And so that becomes another grave danger. Uh, The next war is very likely to be, if it's a global war, the last war. I'm not talking about individual skirmishes on borders of various countries. I'm talking about a world war as we've had in the past both in recent times and in unrecorded history times. And so now, if we have one of those, it's very likely, because of escalation issues, that it will turn into a holocaust of a nature where 
no human being within a few decades of that time will be able to live on Earth. If that happens, even if the physical planet's not destroyed, and all of humanity dies off, all now, um, this solar system will be abandoned. And something very, very bad might happen to the entire solar system. Bad in the sense it won't exist anymore. Good in the sense that the experiment's over and it just didn't work out. It doesn't mean our star will go away. It doesn't mean that things will, you know, there'll still be something left here, but not not anything that can grow human beings anymore. At any rate, that's a terrible, terrible negative. I don't really think we're going to do it. I believe we will make it through this, simply because I guess I need to do that to be able to forge forward in the terrible circumstances under which I and others I'm associated with are oftentimes put into. The things that are done to us are just unimaginable, really unimaginable. And if you could imagine them, you'd be so scared of them that you wouldn't believe them at all. So it's really it's really a problem, but we have managed to still deal with the situation. Remember, we're only here to try to serve. We're not here to try to take over anybody, control anybody, do anything terrible, etc. But that doesn't change evil. The dark side still can say, okay, well, we're glad that that's what you're here for, so make our life easier because we'll just go after you. And so that's what they do sometimes. All right. And as far as tonight's show is concerned, the most important element to take from it is that almost everything that is our future is within our grasp to change control. The, if you fall into the climatologist's goofinesses and all the terrible stuff that's supposed to happen, then it, 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 the attempt is to remove it from direct human interactions and say that only taking things from all humans and doing something with it will prevent this is a scam of all time. That is a complete utter scam, and it is definitely part of the theories and thoughts of the dark side to take control over all of us. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't climate change. It just means that it isn't what you think it is. It's what I said in the show. All right, so in the future, in terms of the third ray's focus and in terms of uh, the remaining three rays that are feminine in their movement, the development of the sixth sub-race of this race, which is the fifth race, is going to become accelerated. Now, what does that mean? Well, the plans were, it was sometime in the next century, when that sub-race is going to be really focused on, and it may not be fully developed until the end of the next However, with this new plan, my estimate is we're off by 100 years. We're going to be, everything's going to be accelerated by 100 years to create a sixth sub-race of humans along, that's a part of the fifth race of humans, which will make women more dominant 
probably just equal to men, finally. And it, it will also allow a change or shift to a more spiritually focused civilization. That means for all parts of humanity, regardless of what religion they may be or not. Spiritual life will become focused upon much stronger. Programs like this will become very prevalent. Maybe even this one itself may be played 100 years from now. And so the interesting thing is that that could be where we're headed if we don't destroy the world altogether. And the dark side is fighting feverishly to prevent that from happening. Now, I'm not talking about the group I work with or this show specifically, but in general, the dark side is worried and trying to prevent that outcome because they know if it happens, they're done. There won't be enough energy to keep them alive, and they will crack, it's called. And the whole dark hierarchy, which is in a place called the A-sphere, uh, will just disintegrate, just go away. Very interesting idea. And everything looks to me like it's going to be about 100 years earlier than what my earlier shows have talked about. And so for that reason, I mean, it just it just it changes almost all of what I thought of as what the plan was going to be about. I'm not saying that it's a great thing. There's some definite, definite concerns I have about the potential of accelerating this whole thing and it not working. You know, I, I don't want to give up on Earth quite so fast, but it may be there may be nothing that can be done because it's, it's sort of like the throwing in everything and this is it. And we're not going to eke it out it's going to just be in this century we either solve it or by the beginning to the middle of the 21st century or the 22nd century actually we're in the 21st century uh, there won't be any won't be any uh, earth anymore and there won't be any there won't be any life on earth and there won't be any reason for earth to exist now this is a terrible terrible uh, concern uh, and until I which I very recently found out about this change in this particular rate structure uh, I thought we had a lot more time at least another century as I said and um, I wasn't as worried <laughs> about the outcome maybe I should have been because I was ignorant apparently that it was so necessary to do this other thing which to me is very radical, and uh, it's just the way it is, and I just have to accept it as it is. And, you know, you might say, well, how do you know? that this? I have my sources. <laughs> uh, and so the, the knowledge of it is one thing. How to best proceed is still best upon everybody that is spiritual and those that I work with that are spiritual together to come up with solutions faster than we had ever thought necessary or we could even do. And so we're working in that way. And um, I talked about last week about some of the things we're trying to do, and uh, that's a critical factor. All that's coming together, by the way. And hopefully within that process, we will 
produce uh, the kind of things that are necessary, the kind of elements to allow people to co-serve together better, and also to educate people about everything I talk about on these shows in ways that it may not be at the same level. You know, these are more advanced shows that some people may find difficult to understand. But we're doing it using medium that we're not familiar with that much, and it's in the entertainment realm. It's it's in the education realm now. Still, it's still part of what we're here for, which is education. But we're using some forms of more advanced uh, technologies that allow us to produce stuff that people want to read and people want to watch, etc., etc. Even if they don't fully understand all of the science, and they don't want to. So we've gone and we're following the road that other people want to be on to understand. And it isn't like, well, it's our way or the highway. No, it's your way, their way, uh, in order to reach them. That's what you got to do. So like, we're, we're actually going to create graphic novels, among other things. And those are somewhat abhorrent to me <laughs> because I used to call them comic books and you know, they they were great for kids because they emotively responded to the psyche of children, or at least uh, emerging children who might be adolescent at some point, obviously, but uh, sometimes pre-adolescent, in other words. And they they provided a very important element in society because they helped younger people to read, even if it was very basic reading. And it gave them something to think about, which is good, before they were ready to sit down with a more challenging book, say. And uh, all those things were good things, but nobody considered, like, oh, let's teach them some quantum physics in there. You know? <laughs> Not likely, no. And But now we're changing it. We're going to actually maybe teach a little bit about quantum, certain types of quantum physics and other things. Cosmo- cosmological quantum physics that have to do with multidimensional universes and things. And so this is going to be part of a graphic novel, if you can imagine that. And also part of uh, 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 like a dozen one-hour shows uh, that can be played in, other, in educational institutions, but also possibly someday put on television. Who knows? And uh, gets people through that vehicle, closer to understanding what is a very, very difficult subject, angel's wisdom, because it's about God. And even though it's not necessarily a religious uh, show of sorts, it's an educational explanation of God that doesn't trample on religion and does, it actually supports most religions in some ways. And it supports people being both spiritual and having a faith if they want to. If they don't, they don't have to. And to become more integrated with others in terms of co-service together, working collectively to bring about a natural change in the world without it being forced, without hopefully costing a lot of lives. And with maybe the eventual destruction of evil. 
on Earth. It doesn't mean there won't be individuals who sometimes might exercise evil, but you won't have the dark hierarchy. The dark hierarchy is a super cancer. It's like the worst thing any planet can possibly have, and we got ours in spades. They haven't been around that long, uh, less than a million years, but they have done terrible, terrible things. And there was evil before them, but never on a collective level that is so incredibly destructive. I've been asked, when did the dark hierarchy actually start? I can't tell you. I don't know because they're so secretive. But my guess is within the last million years, that's when it started. But And it's more than a guess. I have some knowledge, which I won't go into, about that. But the interesting thing is I don't, I don't know that you could pin it down because they're so secretive. They were around for a long time. Nobody knew they were there. There really wasn't even a spiritual hierarchy before there was a dark hierarchy. So uh, they were around before the spiritual hierarchy was actually formed on Earth. So they've been doing their evil things for a while, but it was very minimalistic in comparison to today. Today it is a scary situation. One which I find very troubling because most people don't buy it. They don't believe in it. And yet it's the single thing that will end up destroying planet Earth one way or the other. If they're successful in what they want, they destroy Earth. And if they are so successful, then they will themselves be destroyed. Either way, Earth ends. (laughs) Now you say, well, don't they know they can't win, so why do they keep doing this? No, they think they can win. I'm just telling you my opinion of the situation. They believe quite the opposite. They can beat God. They can beat back God every time they try. And they've tried a lot and they've won a lot. And they consistently win rather than lose. They lose very seldom and win very often. So in their thought process, they are the winners. We are the losers. We being people who aren't part of them. And God, as far as they're concerned, can take a hike. Because they are, this is going to be a godless world. And they don't care. Does that mean they don't believe in God? Unfortunately, they do believe in God. That's the weirdest thing. They know God exists. They know it. It's not even a... a, There's no question. But they think they outsmart God all the time, which they tend to do because they outsmart people. And God lets people be free, so they're outsmarting God then because they get away with it. But... They don't realize God's really smarter than that. And God knows that ultimately they're going to lose. They can't win. No matter what, they lose. Now, does the planet win? I don't know yet. We'll find out. Does the planet stay around, be a viable planet, and we're such a critical element in the development of this particular solar system? It could all fall apart. This solar system could even go bye-bye. But I believe that we will find some answers. We're working on it, and others are too. It isn't just us alone, by the way. There's others joining. But we may be one of the more formidable groups among the people working in the area of trying to bring about a more spiritual world. Uh, As far as, we'll say, education is concerned. I think there are some groups that are much better 
in areas outside of education than we are. But, you know, we, we try in every way possible and we'll fill whatever gap we think needs to be filled, but we can't do everything. It's absolutely not. I mean, even what we are doing is superhuman in itself. Believe me, things we're trying to do are just amazing. Well, we're running out of time, um, and I, I lost a couple of minutes at the beginning of the show. I could hear what was going to happen for some reason. There was a communications issue. But the most important thing is we got everything in, so we're, we're right there, and <laughs> we really are. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is.